Today's guest on the podcast is Sarah Bond Bronick. Her book, Simple Abundance, topped the New York Times bestseller list for over two years and spent its time at number one for one of those years. It's been translated into 28 languages and has sold over 5 million copies in the U.S. alone. Never once has this book been out of print, and it attracts new fans, new women, to its two signature compact concepts, which are now part of the American vernacular, the gratitude journal and the term authentic self. I know that I have really, really enjoyed getting to read this book. And this is the first time I've, I've read it. And it is a beautiful, beautiful book. And it has a companion, the Simple Abundance Journal of Gratitude, which I am all for gratitude journaling. And I had no idea that Sarah was essentially the founder of this concept. She has been on Oprah. Um, actually, her, her gratitude journal book is dedicated to Oprah with love. And we talk about that a little bit at the beginning of the episode. But I truly enjoyed this interview. She is such a such a delight. And I am proud to have all of you have the opportunity to listen to her story and her wisdom. And I am, for one, very grateful to her for her time. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Sarah Bon Bronick. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Today's guest, Sarah Bond Bronick, is here. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Meredith. So, How are you? so, so honored that you're taking the time to talk with me. I almost cried when, when I got an email about this. So thank you. <laughs> Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, so, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, so very exciting news. Um, your book, Simple Abundance, which was on the New York Times bestseller list for over two years in, what, 1996, 97? Uh, 96 and 97, 97 yeah. Is yeah. being is completely revised and updated 25 years later, and it is out, and it is beautiful. So congratulations on that. Oh. Thank you. And very I, kind. I'll tell you, and, and also the Simple Abundance Journal of Gratitude. When I got the journal, I opened it up, and it said, for Oprah with love. And I, so here's my story I was going to tell you. Okay. I love Oprah. I mean, who, I guess some people don't, but I don't know many. I, I really don't want to be friends with anyone who doesn't love Oprah. <laughs> um, so I was in a store in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I walked by, and they had a candle in the window, in the window that was had oprah on it it's like a, a votive candle, a candle like you would light in you know a religious candle but it had mm -hmm. oprah on it and so i've been lighting my oprah candle for many months since my <laughs> since my book is coming out and I, when i saw that your book was dedicated to oprah with love i was like oh that is some writing goals right there to, to write a book and dedicate it to oprah <laughs> 
don't know. It just was great. And so I think like my little shrine, I'll put the abundance gratitude journal next to my Oprah candle and, you know, just have the vibe. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you a story about that. Yeah. Um, uh, Simple Abundance, the original Simple Abundance was turned down by 30 publishers in America no over a two year process. And I kept writing and um, it that was really excruciating. And but but I kept writing the book. I kept showing up every day to write the book. Um, and uh, so there there was, you know, just one moment where I actually just thought, I you know, how many times I can't go over this. Um, some now some publishers were turning it down twice. So <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, um, so I created a little uh, mood board for myself. Um, and th- we're, we're talking 1993. And um, I made a mock-up of the New York Times bestseller list. And I, um, this was about, oh, eight, two years, 18 months before, before it was even published. But um, I had put the date, uh, June 6, uh, 1996. And I put Simple Abundance at number one and everything. Made a lot of, made copies of them so that it looked to you like, looked to me like um, a New York Times bestseller list. Didn't look like a mock-up, whatever. I put it on uh, the corner of uh, my computer, and I would see it every day, and I'd acknowledge it every day. And um, miraculously, you want to say, but it's not, uh, not, it was miraculous, but it was also many things. Um, I beat my list twice uh, by two months because wow. Simple Abundance hit, hit it in April of 1996 and so so. you wouldn't believe it if i told you but my book coming out in three and a half weeks on my phone right now my good friend jessica made me a screensaver the year of no nonsense new york times bestseller (laughs) she also bought me a candle to go next to oprah's um but that feels silly coming from me because i don't you know i feel like you can tell that story now because you actually did it but i have been um, writing that down for two years. Um, oh, well, yeah, it's I know assured. it. I mean, yeah, I, I know I, it. You know, if you don't believe it, no one else will. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what that's, I say. That's right. Um, I had also had my mock-up of like four famous people giving me blurbs yes. and it's yes yeah, so and then then I got a real blurb right. when it was just published kind of thing oh, and goodness. so I put it up on the wall and uh, my daughter's father said said oh look Katie see how all of these people are just saying mommy's book is so good and I said no no this is the real one this is the real <laughs> this is real <laughs> Oh my gosh, oh, I God. love it. But you know what is so amazing about you is this was not being done and practiced until I mean, you were on the forefront. People were not talking about gratitude. No. In nineteen ninety six. Now everything's like be gratitude, be gracious, be grateful. Right. You know, it's you, you hear it. But right. you know, that wasn't a thing until you came along. So what inspired you? Like how did you lots of questions. How did you come to the place where you decided this is this is big enough for a book and I have to write this? Well, I had done um, I had written uh, two books on Victorian family life and I was supposed to start a third, which was on Victorian decorative details. And the thought, just the very thought of the length of time that you spend with a book, like two years, 
and meditating on the meaning of ruffles and flourishes. I was and say, I, that's probably a tough one. <laughs> oh boy, I just couldn't do that. And um, so, but I didn't know what to write. And the thing, uh, Meredith, I don't know if if you complain in your head. I don't think a lot of w- women will complain other than uh, you know, maybe their family or a close friend or, or whatever. But um, we don't whine. But boy, I whined in my head. <laughs> Not no one else knew it, but you know the great creator and I knew it. Right. And I. You know, I could not figure out what I was doing wrong because it's I'd had a nationally syndicated column with the Washington Post. I'd published two books. I could not figure out why I was connecting the dots, but I was getting nowhere. And finally, you know, it was just another morning um, getting my daughter off to school and everything else. And I I heard a very strong and... uh, gentle but very instructive voice that said you're going to sit down at this dining room table you're not going to get up until you give me a hundred reasons why you are grateful for your life exactly as it is now and money money can't be there because that was the underlying that was the underlying you know crooks uh was that that this was during 1993 we were in a bad recession Mm -hmm. people were being laid off in the thousands uh every day it was just doom and gloom doom and gloom and i picked i picked naturally i picked up on that you know i i'd had a couple of um uh, consulting jobs that were eliminated and um and so money was a huge issue for me and it i was at the point of my life that if i could not if I could not attach a comma or I could not attach um, a paycheck on whatever I did, it didn't count. Mm. So you have all of this ferment and this very, uh, very needy and very angry. I mean, people, people are are surprised, but, uh, you know, I was angry, but I never said anything to anybody. And then I, then I did this list and I looked at this list, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I, you know, thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize how blessed I was. So this wasn't an idea for a book. This was just an awakening. And and I really, I felt shameful because how could, how could I have so many blessings that other women didn't and and you know, health, I mean, just everything. And so I started writing down um, every day because it was a very new habit for me. Um, I started writing, keeping notes and writing, you know, five, five things to be grateful for. And uh, because it was so new for me, the things would happen all the time, but I'd see how quickly they would disappear by the end of the evening. So I wrote them on post-it notes. I wrote them on little index cards. I just wrote it down on a pad, you know. And then I started collecting them uh, in, in a journal that I called the Gratitude Journal. And after I had, had worked with Gratitude, it still wasn't a book, mm-hmm. but after I had worked with Gratitude for about a little over two months, my internal world was completely different. Yes. Complete. Yes. Nothing had happened on the outside 
that would show any, any difference. I didn't get a, a job. I didn't get nothing happened. But I, I happened. And I was seeing the world not as the world was, but as I was becoming. And that's when I thought, oh, my God, people have it wrong about downshifting. You know, they're not losing. You know, they can be gaining. Because the process of simple abundance, and again, it wasn't a book. The process of simple abundance is that with the six graces, I call them, um, six principles or six graces, because they really are, do feel like creative, creative and spiritual graces. You know, gratitude came in first, and then the, then the soul was ready to divest. And when that that's when simplicity said, mm, can, you know, can I come in for a chat? And and then the, you pare down, and the will cannot pare down for you, but the soul can divest for you, and you don't miss what, what you're giving up. And then order came. I was... Uh, uh, confusion usually reigned it was um you know neat on the surface but chaos underneath and and then harmony now in 1995 you know harmony um uh, i described harmony as the ability to hear the end of one's own thought hear the sentence finish Oh, wow. And, I like that. <laughs> Which is why none of my sentences end. There's no harmony, right. Sarah. That's right. And that was in 1995. And then beauty and then and then joy. So but it was very organic. It was there was nothing, nothing enforceable. You know, um, if I didn't keep my gratitude journal journal because I got busy or I got sick. And that this believe me, this happens over the entire 25 years i go a few days and and because i'm working so hard and i want to think about my thing gratitudes as my head hits drops on the pillow and i pass out from fatigue but that didn't work you really have to write it down because we can't remember it so that that, it is because or i mean there's something too about pen to paper yes yes Absolutely. So do you keep a journal? Do you I keep- do. And so it's so funny. I, I I knew of you, but just speaking with you, I'm like, you're, we're related. <laughs> we're related. Because a couple years ago, I started on this journey to just uncover a bunch of crap in my life. And I'm like, <laughs> I am not happy. Why am I not happy? And I started doing this process. And I just started and I wrote. I wrote and wrote and wrote. And I've always been a writer, but mm-hmm. kept a journal. And I used mm-hmm. to not keep a journal as a kid because I knew my parents were reading it. And so I would write in it and tear out pages. And then I got really mad because I wanted to keep them. And so I always journaled but never kept them. And then I'm sure you know Julia Cameron morning pages about write three pages, throw them away. I'm like, well, I've done that my whole life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would read it. But in 2017 is when I really started just putting pen to paper and, and not on my computer because I thought, well, I can mm-hmm. journal on my computer. No one will read it. Yeah. But I got back to the basics, and I carry—I now carry a, jur- a paper journal with me, room oh. to room. Oh, I good, mean, it's probably good. a way of me making it, sure no one reads it. it but, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I and I—I I just encourage everyone to do that because if something, and, and also with really like dark emotions when you start mm-hmm. to feel angry, like instead of going to the pantry, I go to the journal, and that helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> yeah. sure. Um, 
but but that was the beginning. So after I like had done about six months of the process, um, I said, "I've got I, the God. I got it. The title came to me in neon letters, simple abundance." I called my agent, and then we had two years two years of being told no, two years of being told like a gra- gra- gratitude as a lifestyle choice i don't think so you know and that seems so ludicrous <laughs> now right oh my goodness oh my god i know but you know you know i feel so sorry for i, I just want to give a hug to anybody who's trying to writing because it is really you know it's excruciating it's sort of like can you do is there anything else in the world you, you could choose, choose to <laughs> do Please, please tell me. Be well, an see, actor. I thought that was being a lawyer because I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer. lawyer. So I quit law to be a writer. And I'm like, what am I doing? Did I pick like the two worst possible professions? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that is. What, but I knew I was on to something. I, and I knew and I just kept at it. I knew I had a message. And, and, and um, so you, didn't, you didn't quit. How did you, you you knew you had a message because it helped you? Because it helped me. Yes. Yes. I thought if it if this simple abundance can turn your life around, then believe me, there's some woman. And Chris Chris Tomasino was my agent, still is, and and uh, she she kept me going because she started keeping. She'd only tell me like every three weeks, you know, about she, she'd group like four or five rejections. She didn't hit me every day. <laughs> God. Oh, that's that's a good agent. <laughs> that was a good agent. And so, you know, you know, um, and uh, so I'd cry, cry myself to sleep and then I'd say, OK, we'll give it one more shot. So it was all of that. So finally, the, my story um, quickly it is. Uh, at Liv Bloomer was the editor, uh, the acquiring editor at Warner Books, and she she said um, she she was one of the ones who turned it down twice, and <laughs> but like on the third time it came around, um, she said, and I was calling it real life, no, knowing what you love, loving how you live, and she said, uh, oh, I I really like the title, Simple Abundance, but here here's the thing, she said. I wanted it to be a lifestyle book. Clarkson Potter was doing the most amazing, beautiful lifestyle books at the end of the 80s into the 90s. And I saw this as a lifestyle book. So it was very fixed in my my uh, intention and fixed in everything else. And um, uh, Chris called me one day and, sa- and said, you know, Liv Bloomer is interested in simple abundance. Of course, you know, just couldn't believe it, you know, a lot of shouting and everything else. She said, but she wants you to write it as a daily inspirational book oh for what, women. And I said, what? what? <laughs> I said, that's preposterous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I said, I can't, how can I get, how can I give inspiration to anybody else? Are you kidding? No, no, no. And Chris said, look, listen, will you just sleep on it? And so I said, yeah, yeah. And I just thought this was ridiculous. And But anyway. <laughs> because, next, wait, had you written the whole thing? I uh, Oh, or, I, I'd written at least over half of it. Okay. It would take me another two years to finish it. Okay, okay. Um, but I'd written, yeah, I'd mm-hmm. written 
written all of the thing and I imagined all the beautiful pictures that would go with it and whatever. So, uh, so in the morning I got up and I had that disquiet that, that happens when, you know, you're trying not to listen to intuition or heaven or whatever. And I said, all right, I'm just going to try to take material and break it up into daily, daily, just see. And Meredith, I was so amazed by the power of the short. I it was short and punchy, or short and comforting. It's like the original blog. It was, <laughs> yeah. and I talked about everything. I talked about everything in our lives, you know, dirty floors, over, you know, the last twenty five pounds that you can never lose. Right. Uh, you know, the checking. I love that you say twenty five instead of five. <laughs> because that, when well, I hear I people say to... those last five pounds, I'm like, please, the last 25, and you just said 25. So true. Yeah, okay. it's 25. <laughs> Believe me, if I was down to five, I wouldn't think I had to lose anything. Right. But we would. <laughs> but yeah, I know. But but, but I'm just saying, yes. yeah. Um, so, and then I, then I wrote for an, another two years, oh. and uh, then it, you know it 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 came out in 1995. Um, well, there's so. some part of your story where you were, ta- and I remember this from Super Soul with Oprah when mm. I listened to it, but were you talking about you wanted some Manolo Blahnik shoes and <laughs> you had to make a decision of, do I give up or, you know, and I forget the story, so you may want to correct me, but I just, I resonated with that so much because at the time I heard that, I think it was on a podcast. I thought I was at the point of giving up. This was about a year and a half ago because I had quit the legal profession to mm-hmm. pursue this book and um, that's coming out. And I thought, I'm about to give up and go back to practicing law because <laughs> this is for the birds. Like, I thought law was bad. Writing is the worst. And I remember hearing that podcast and I thought, okay, I always wanted those shoes, but now I just want a regular paycheck. <laughs> So we'll put the paycheck where the (laughs) shoes are. But I remember you saying to yourself that if I give up, you know, you, you, you talked about what that would be like for you. So can you, can you kind of recount that story? Uh, Sure. I had been living in England um, during, in the seventies and uh, writing about theater and, and um, fashion Um, copy, copy, fashion copywriter. Um, and I had a portable typewriter. And Manolo Blahnik was this new young designer. This is about 74, just as Pret-a-Porter was starting to take off in London and, and Paris. But he had a little studio on Church Street, um, which is uh, in Chelsea. And um, I would walk past it uh, every day. And he only had like a little window. But, I, but excuse me, the window was... Like if you, it would be like the size if you were looking at, you could only see one pair of shoes. Like a jewelry store. Yeah. But, but it was even smaller. It was, (laughs) it it was maybe 15 by 15 or 18 by 18. And with a glass, it was in a brick building um, where his studio was. And there would be one or two, two pairs of shoes. And I, I would go there every day as part of my Point of my daily devotional, and <laughs> and then came the crunch. I had had a ticket with a return ticket, and um, to go home. I'd been away for almost three years, and I knew that if I went home, that I would hear 
we told you so. That would mm-hmm. that would be one of the first things that would come out of everybody's mouth after saying hello. And um, I stood there and I had my portable typewriter and I could pawn the typewriter and stay and write or I could pawn the typewriter and buy a pair of Manolo Blahniks to bring back with me. <laughs> <laughs> this is my choice. This is how life choices are made, Meredith. Right, right. Shoes or typewriter. It's simple. Shoes. Manolas. Manolas, oh, yes. Oh, not oh, just okay. shoes. Let's not just clear. shoes. Right. So I stood there and I said, Sarah, I promise you, if you don't go back, there will come a day when you can come back here and you can walk out with as many pairs of Manolo Blahniks as you want. Mm. And I said, okay. So I let the ticket um, elapse and... Kept the kept the typewriter and <laughs> continued writing. <laughs> what is it but that in was, you that yeah. kept you going, though? I mean, you said that to yourself. You know, you yeah, said, "Yeah, you, that was a problem." And a I promise. have that sort of voice too. I've always, and and I think a lot of it came from my dad. Maybe when I was young, he always, and, and this is this is good and also toxic. But he used to say, "You always want to live your life, never having to look back and say what if." And if you really take that literally, that will make you crazy um, because every day has plenty of what ifs. But I've, I've kind of taken that to the big tasks, you know. Um, I don't want to look back and say, what if I didn't, you know, give this book a shot and I didn't, you know. So yeah. I've had that voice in my head. Where does it come from for you? Like, how did you know to just keep pushing? Well, uh, my father gifted me with another kind of double set. <laughs> edge to- toxic one as long do. as long as we're comparing let's do it <laughs> yeah look. and as i was growing growing up he would say you know he, and he was a big sports enthusiast and he was always watching some kind of game or whatever and he would say my nickname was charlie and he said charlie he said now the true champion makes it look easy you have to make it look easy charlie so i that sent tackles on my goosebumps on my arms just to say that again. It's not enough that you achieve it. You have to make it look easy. Wow. And that always I, that drives me crazy. We have the same dad. Yes, it's, I knew that's it. That's it, what it was. It's, we have the same it, father. Yes, right. <laughs> no, it's the same thing. It, and it's very masculine energy too. Like the fact mm. he called you Charlie, right? Right. And my, my dad, I, he, my dad desperately wanted a son. Um, a second son. He had a son, but he Hmm. wanted another son. And um, when I wasn't a boy, I think he was just like, well, she looks like a girl, but we'll raise her like a man. (laughs) Because he was just really tough on, you know, he raised me to be very tough. And it sounds like you had that too. Yeah. Which is good in a way, but it creates for difficulty when you have to sit down and figure out a hundred things you're grateful for to survive, right? (laughs) But you know they they come pretty quickly. They come pretty quickly. Yeah. Here's an example. Here's an example of just something that happened last week. I was putting I was putting garbage out into the trash barrel behind the the apartment. Um, uh, and I had had my keys, my house keys, and everything. Um, and they'd been in, in an apron pocket. And I walked in, and I always put my keys in the same spot so that it's habitual. That's where you look for your keys. And I didn't. And I didn't. And I thought, oh, my God, I've lost my keys. Oh, my God. And so I went back out and I like combed, combed the driveway and the parking spaces until I could get to the trash dump 
number and there they were and shining and with like sunlight and golden. I mean, it was picture, picture, picture perfect. I said, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. I found my ease. Because the end of that sentence is the, the three days at least of complete disruption. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. But, but if I hadn't written that down, I don't know that I'd remember that because it, you know, uh, I gave thanks at the time. But if I, but it's it's those those little things. That's why you know I've, I I I write them on the post-it notes, right. piece of papers. It is the little things, like, um, and I don't. I'm sure this pro- this might have come from you now that I'm, we're talking. But the idea of of daily practice, kind of meditation and gratitude, you know, to allow the, the simple things that you do to really kind of wash over you and to meditate on them. Like if you're washing the dishes Mm -hmm. or, and, Mm -hmm. and where this comes into play for me is when I'm looking at my children and I love my children, they're 11 Mm -hmm. and 12, but they're also Mm -hmm. children. And sometimes, (laughs) you know, you're like, what are you thinking? What what are you actually thinking? And I have a friend who said that boys frontal lobes don't develop till they're 15. And that has made me Oh, it's 25. Oh, it's 25. Do you have have two boys? I have one boy. One boy. But But, uh, no, actually, it's been proved um, uh, a London neuro junkie. 25 (laughs) is when their brain stops growing. Mercy. So, you know, most of the time I just look at them and I think a frontal lobe. It's fine. It's going to be fine. But when I started this this daily practice meditation, I tried it for a little bit. I remember looking at him and of course I love this child. I love of course you do. But yes. I looked at him and I, I really felt like for the first time in, in knowing him that I saw him. And and what mm. I mean by that is I I looked at him and I was like, look at the way his little cow look, you know, mm. in his head mm. and that precious head. And and mm. and I just saw him as this just mm. wonderful creature. And again, I loved him. I, I always thought mm. he was wonderful, mm. but I, I it was like a depth of gratitude mm. that I had not ever tapped into. And mm-hmm. I I feel that with your book, that every entry is just you may think something on the outside like yes of course I'm grateful for x y and z but when you read simple abundance you feel that just another notch and that I think is the difference in having a good life and having a really great peaceful mm-hmm. life that little mm-hmm. knot mm-hmm. Ab- yeah, yeah ab- absolutely and and I think that um the difference between uh this book oh um well, can I tell you how this uh, the twenty fifth anniversary oh, it came? Yes, came yes. Um, I started receiving messages a couple of years ago. I've been very blessed that Simple Abundance has never been out of print in its twenty five wow. years. So, I, and I'm eternally, eternally grateful for that. But I started receiving um, messages from millennial and Generation X women who were saying that they picked up the uh, the pink book. That's what it. They and everybody right. called it. Picked up the pink book that their mothers loved and opened it, and whatever they read on that day really had a connection with them. And and then they would get to the end of the each month's chapter, and I'd have joyful simplicities, and it would be you know write for a mail order catalog or watch a VHS <laughs> tape, right. and, and a book like, on tape, right? right. A book on tape. <laughs> And they're completely pulled out. The spell is broken. The spell is broken. Right. So um, they said, could you, could you write, could you update it? 
for for contemporary women. And um, the 25th anniversary is com- was coming, and and Simple Abundance said, sure, sure, you know, here, here. And I made the creative mistake, but I realized it's actually the way creativity works. Um, of thinking that, oh, this this is very straightforward. I'm just going to go in. <laughs> you laugh. Yeah, I hear you laughing. I revised, you know. I revised a book this year, too. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm laughing yeah, out of yeah. sympathy. Yes. Yeah, it's the need to know factor. Right. We we are we, we don't need to know this until right. we're in the midst of the book. To anyone out there back. who's working on a second edition, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I started doing it and I thought, oh my God, this is, I have to go in. It's like restoring a house. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to go in and yes, yes, this, this will be lovely, madam. But, you know, you like know, black mold. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. we, we have to shore up the foundation before we can create that little, you know, sitting nook. And so, and I had a year to do it and I, it was was the hardest but the happiest writing I've ever known. So, but it was it was it was hard. And I can't um, imagine like so. I had the second edition of my triathlon book out in mm-hmm. March, and it mm-hmm. was only six years old. Mm-hmm. But so I can't imagine twenty five years. <laughs> and like my editor, we I wrote the first book in twenty eleven, and when she got her hands on the book she's like okay so it's part one and part two right and I said yes and she goes okay so we're gonna cut part two <laughs> like what you're just gonna take it out and she's like it's too long and I thought oh my gosh you know so just right from the get-go it was like the demo team you know yeah we're just gonna take off your top story and... yeah that's right trust us you'll like it uh, and it was yeah. but I know I just I understand I don't understand what 25 years of revision would feel like but well, I do. well well i'm trying to think of that charles dickens char- a character miss haversham and who lives it you know in the room with all the cobwebs and i mean oh, yeah. it was just, yeah. is that a tale of two cities no i think it's great expectations oh, great great expectations. expectations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but oh. there, there i was so uh, so we did it, but as uh, as I started to do, as I did it, and I got into it, and everything else, I became aware of the biggest, the biggest differences um, in these two books, which is why I think of Sim- Simple Abundance now for the, which I call for the 21st century, but its re- real name is 365 Days to a Balanced and Joyful Life. Um, <laughs> I like a little turbo jet because that's really what we need, you know. But uh, I, I that harmony, you, you can't you can't hear yourself think. You cannot. I mean, what we exist in today, today's brutal, constant, stressful, twenty four seven breaking news, mm-hmm. and the social media culture. Uh, corrupting culture it's because it's a mirage I mean what we are living through um, is uh, and it's being called the new new normal so this is where this is where I take my little soapbox or whatever oh, you want to stand, stand up <laughs> and I, I want to say, say you know all of this think of the think of think of the thing you know Whatever we're every day, we're embedded with some reporter around the world with a harrowing 
uh, natural disaster or or gun violence or evacuations or flood. I mean, we're, we're, it's always and we're, we're like we're like lassoed um, to, to the, the media that we're seeing it through. And it's our heartstrings. But we can't do anything to help these strangers in dangers. So all it does is stun us with with sorrow and mm-hmm. makes it difficult for us to connect with our own families, with our own friends, with our own soul. And that would be one thing. But to have people say this is the new normal, I want to say, wait a minute, this is not normal. This is not normal. And we have to stop saying that. And we have to, we have to create boundaries, uh, mm-hmm. psychological, emotional, physical, spiritual, creative, boundaries for the things that we are precious to us our families you know our work you can you cannot turn the television on the first thing before anything else i feel you know sometimes i get this image that you know when we're we're in, in our, the kitchen and the, we're waiting for the coffee to perk or we're checking email and we're checking the news see what happened overnight and um now everybody's off to school and we're getting ready and 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 suddenly we are feeling vibrations we're, and we're feeling the a flight or fight energies. And it, it reminds me of the, um, the prairie dog mother, the mother who lifts her head out of the hole and is trying to gauge the buffalo stampede miles <laughs> to mi- miles to minutes yes. by the vibrations. And that's what we're like as we stand in our own kitchen. Yes. And nothing's happening. But that that's what we are being we are being trained that nothing yet that everything is happening to us. So that was a real that was a real difference. Because when I yeah, uh, yeah, it is, sadly. But um, this is this is what we all we all need to combat it. But we need to recognize that it's happening. That's the first thing. And, And and then the second thing that I did in simple abundance this my 21st century version is um we now know that emergencies happen every day um and we need to do something to help us prepare for emergencies and i i i call it becoming mrs miniver that's my mantra Mm -hmm. and um have you ever seen that movie mrs with greer garson no i don't think so you're going to love her. You're going to love her. It's so, so, you know, I've, I've known for a long time that, that I needed to, to do emergency preparedness, you know, just get all the documents in one place and get, mm-hmm. you know, the health records and, you know, and um, uh, so I had these disaster books kind of thing and I couldn't read them, Meredith. I'd open it up and I'd be having a, a panic attack yes. just re- reading <laughs> what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I shut it and then I wouldn't think about it. But what I did do was I I would go and watch Mrs. Miniver again. And I, I had discovered Mrs. Miniver after 9-11. And my daughter had just enrolled in uh, NYU and uh, we were in the city. And um, I was asked because of the original Simple Abundance, you know, to offer some wisdom and comfort and you know, I just felt really I needed a role model. And um, that's when I discovered Mrs. Miniver. 
And she became that for me because the archetype of Mrs. Miniver, of a woman trying to protect her family, the things that are precious to to her, very calm, mother courage Mm -hmm. with the English expression, keep keep on and carry on. And she was always, oh, I can, I can watch, I don't know how many times I've seen it now, but I can always pick up something new, a new nuance. So I thought, well, what if I just did it every month, you know? And so, and so that's what I did because, you know, women for centuries have what they have had, what they call a caution closet where they have the extra candles and mm-hmm. they, you, you know. And That's my husband. He's a prepper. Oh, <laughs> Not oh, you really, very, but you kind really of. lucked out. You, <laughs> but he scares me. He like he was getting the car. Like we have prep bags in our car, right? And last night was the annual cleaning out of the prep bags to put in clothes that fit the children and new tools and weapons, you know. <laughs> and um, he got that out, and he's telling my daughter, our daughter. Um, he's got the map out and the compass and he's telling her how to read a map and a compass. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, why does she need to know that? But I mean, she does, you know, zombies, right? But, but, oh, wow. Yeah. You've got a prepper. That's, you know, that that better go on your gratitude list. (laughs) But he gets so mad when I say this on the podcast, he's like, you're never supposed to tell someone you have supplies because in the end time they'll come to your house. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. They're don't give come. your address away. Oh like, my! <laughs> so funny. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. So, but but that's you know I've sort of I, I sneak it in and sort of and it's done done I think so gently that nobody will be afraid right. <laughs> as we get you know. But um, so those are really the 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 two differences. The soul of simple abundance is intact, and yeah. you know the mess. All we have is all we need. All we need is the awareness of how much we have at any one moment. And um, so I I love it so much. And I'm so grateful to you because I I have no proof of this, but I kind of feel like you are the founder of gratitude um, for at least, you know, the modern world. Um, Because (laughs) when I started reading this, I thought, wait a minute, this has been going on since 1995. Why didn't I think gratitude was new? Sarah started this whole thing. Um, so I love it. And I love the journal, the Simple Abundance Journal of Gratitude. So just so many congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. I've loved talking to you. Well, and I have one more question. Oh, sure. Yeah. So this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, meaning that we all have the same 24 hours in our day which someone pointed out is not necessarily true because some places don't have daylight savings time. And, and I said, this is too much for me. We're not going to talk about this. But regardless, generally, we all have the same 24 hours. And what we do in those 24 hours is what leads to our greatest health, happiness, and mm-hmm. success. So I would say probably for you, gratitude is a big thing. Mm-hmm. But is there something else that you do on a daily basis that, that has really made a difference in your life? Um, yes, uh, in that um, I try to allow a little time uh, for for. I call it Shepherd's Hotel, which was a famous hotel in Cairo for over a century. And um, it's it's my metaphor for the for the undone and, and the dreams that I have. So I love um, women's history 
um, from from the do- domestic sphere because the the magazine articles were never meant to uh, to be kept. And you know, I will dip dip into some of my you know reserves for that for that, and that always makes me smile. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's it, it's it's being grateful and getting on be, and and really not being grateful in you know a, a very hard way at all, but just being thankful, and it opens your you up to wonder. And and so I, I I try to when the wonder is there I try I try to like hold it for a few minutes before something else you know comes away. But I love I love the creative brainstorming I do with my authentic self at Shepherd's yes. Hotel. And the season is just beginning. This is season in Cairo. <laughs> yes. oh, well, thank oh. you so much, Sarah. This is wonderful. Thank you, Meredith. It certainly has been fun. It's been fun. And I wish you great success on the la- launch of the Year of No Nonsense. Thank <laughs> you. That is so great. Much. That is a book I need. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am more than happy to send you a copy. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.